G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. On a Thursday, we like to check in with Family Voice Australia and Andrew McCall is State Director for Family Voice in Queensland and back on to a family's conversation once again today with Andrew. Some more challenging thoughts on what Christians and parents and families do with a biblical orientation around education, health and welfare. Andrew says God's people are called to lead the way, getting out of slavery to the state. Andrew McCall, a special welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil, and good morning to our listeners. Andrew, this is a common theme we talk about. Families and the way that we as Christian believers take a biblical lead on how we conduct ourselves which is a little different to the way you take a lead if you think that the state is your uh, all-powerful saviour on all areas. You like to start with scripture when we talk about these sorts of things. Where would we start today talking about the, uh, the thought of slavery? Well, Neil, the Bible tells us in Psalm 146 and verse 2 that do not trust in princes, in mortal man, in whom is no salvation. Okay, and some might say, well, oh, nice sentiment uh, from an ancient book, and we're going to talk about that ancient book pretty powerfully over the coming hours, actually. But, uh, you know, people will say, uh, isn't that a nice ancient sentiment? Don't put your trust in princes, in mortal man, in whom there is no salvation. What does it mean for us today, do you think? Well, it means the same as it meant then, that there is a, a rather dangerous human habit that we can believe what we are always told. And unfortunately, that is not always the case. We like to believe what we're being told, but not not all the people who are talking to us on any given day are trustworthy people. (laughs) Therefore, we need to say, yeah, well, I think I'm going to just take that one cautiously because I'm not sure how genuine this person really is and how much they ought to be trusted. I know it's good to uh, find out what some of the best thinkers on these sorts of issues say about what's happening in a modern day. I know you've had some thoughts around Gary North, who's uh, quite a significant thinker on all sorts of issues ethically and around uh, the way we live our lives according to a biblical model. Uh, What have you been gleaning from him? Well, he wrote a book back in 1986 called Moses and Pharaoh which explores, obviously, the the relationship between Moses and Pharaoh and Egypt and God's people in that time, which is around about, of course, 1500 BC. And he said in that book, slavery is a reproach to God's people. They are to exercise dominion under God, not be dominated by servants of foreign gods. But to escape slavery, men must switch allegiances. They must make a covenant with the God of freedom. That first generation of Hebrews coming out of Egypt 
made their covenant, but they barely believed in its God or its terms. They were still mental slaves. They still clung to the supposed benefits of the bureaucratic welfare state. They still hesitated to exercise dominion. God pulled them out of Egypt's welfare state, but he did not pull the welfare state mentality out of them. The 40 years of wandering slowly pulled the next generation away from the mental chains that bound their fathers. If there has been any universal uh, religion in the second half of the 20th century, it's been the religion of the bureaucratic welfare state. Isn't it interesting we don't often think of the children of Israel as they were slaves in Egypt, and you don't often think of their slavery as being part of a welfare state. But in some sense, this is what it was, because they were being provided for, and while they were being used by the state uh, to make bricks without straw and all sorts of things like that. But there's an interesting concept in there, isn't there, about slavery and its different ways of showing itself. Sometimes you've got this image in your mind of slavery with shackles on your ankles. Um, but there's something you just pointed out, this thought of mental slavery and concepts of freedom, uh, thinking that you're being looked after, but your freedom has been removed. Uh, thoughts here about uh, you know about what we think about slavery. This is not necessarily something new, but we don't think of ourselves as being enslaved. Well, we don't think that we're being enslaved because we think we live in a free country. But if we were to go back to, say, the turn of the century, 120 years ago, 1900, we would be able, we would find it a, a, a shocking and a stark contrast to how we live today. For instance, in those days, Neil, there was no income tax. Uh, it's been it, that came about just before, I think, or or. or or around the time of the First World War. But what we know about slavery is that it's been practiced for thousands of years, and it still is in parts of the world and in different manifestations. But in Australia, do we recognise it? That's the critical factor. Our welfare state government tells us that we're caring for you. But could it be that we're being manipulated and controlled? Proverbs 12 verse 10 warns us that even the compassion of the wicked is cruel. And we can ask ourselves, who's manipulating us? Well, I would say that our political leaders and bureaucrats, and we're paying them. So really, we are a part of the problem. And we can consider some examples of this. So we are paying our political leaders, and you might even put into there our public servants, uh, to serve us. And so when we get somehow or other a wind uh, that we are uh, not just having them as our servants, but uh, we've become their servants, then something has changed in the balance. And uh, you've been thinking through these areas, and we've talked about these from time to time, and anyone who's listened to any of our earlier conversations, uh, you know, quite uh, confronting insights about how a Christian thinks about education and about health and about welfare. Uh, let's touch on some of these things today because we've not thought of them in terms of slavery. Uh, but what are your thoughts here around, let's start with education, Andrew. Well, what we do know, Neil, and this has been pretty evident now for for certainly over 10 years, is that the standards of educational skills keep dropping. 
So what do we do? Well, we give, give the education department more money, hoping things will improve. But why would we do that? Would we do that with any other investment that we're making that's failing? Aren't there other options for children's education other than enrolment in a garden variety standard state school or even a private school? Now, we know that when Julia Gillard was Prime Minister, the Labor Party uh, decided to spend $16 billion on the education revolution. We've got a national curriculum. We've got hundreds of huge school auditoriums scattered around Australia, which happened to be empty much of the time. $36 million then was spent on schools that have since closed. An economically illiterate government got panicked by recession fears and couldn't throw the money around fast enough. Was there a cost and benefit analysis? I don't think so. Did anything improve? No. Educational educational standards in Australia continued to decline so that back in October last year, the Australian on the 31st of October mentioned that boys' literacy has slipped to the lowest level since national testing began with one in nine teenagers unable to read at a basic standard. And the leader of the opposition, Mr Dutton, said that the system has allowed ideologically driven advocates too much influence over what is taught to our children. So that teaching a sanitised and selective version of history and the arts and radical gender theory is not really in our children's best interests. So we have these little kind of snippets coming through pretty regularly with education that make it plainly evident that standards have dropped and they're going to continue to drop. I remember the shock that I uh, really experienced, I think the first time on this, when the penny dropped uh, in a conversation I was having with, uh, with someone just a couple of years ago who identified that there was evidence that in Australia we have a major problem with illiteracy. And, uh, you know, starting to rank in world rankings in that sense of our illiteracy is really, really a big problem in Australia. So, uh, yes, interesting, isn't it, that the kids and the families are to be served by our education system and by our government. So serving the kids, uh, serving the families, this is the role of teachers because teachers, too, are public servants. So just in, in a significant way here, somehow or other, it's turned around and uh, and um, families have begun to serve the teachers, but the teachers not serving the kids. Is that one way of talking about an imbalance here? Well, there certainly is a way. What and The other thing is, of course, Neil, is that the, the Labor Party is uh, funded, as you would probably know, as most Australians know, by, by funds received from the education unions. So the, the Labor Party would like to continue to receive that funding. It's important for its advertising and it's for its support in the community. Now, that creates some pressure on the department on the Labor Party to ensure that they are doing things that will continue to keep that supply of money from education unions uh, turned on because there are many, many thousands of, of devoted followers of the Labor Party in Australian teaching unions. So you get this this relationship that develops and in some ways it's a unwise 
an undesirable relationship between the government that gets the money and spends it and those who are supplying it. So that, well, who's who's wagging the who's wagging the or who's controlling the dog? Is it the dog or is it the tail of the dog? Okay, and so that's where it gets kind of a bit messy, doesn't it? It is messy, and you know, as I said, these are sort of confronting thoughts, aren't they? How do you think biblically and using the children of Israel example uh, coming out of Egypt as examples that uh, those ancient issues of wisdom that we can glean from Scripture actually are meaningful today? Hey, let's uh, running out of time a little bit. Let's talk about these other two areas too. We talked about education. Uh, and then there's health and welfare. Uh, how do you tackle the health issue uh, with a different way of thinking? Well, what we've seen just in in recent days, I remember there was, I, I picked up an article in the Australian on the 6th of June where the, 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 the story said that the judges warn of worst medical scandal in 100 years. And what, what were they referring to? They were referring to transgender and what's happening with transgender? Well, various state and federal health departments are going along with the idea that transgenderism is legitimate, that that it's okay for a young person to not only think that they should be the opposite sex, but they can and, and maybe should go ahead with things like puberty blockers and even go as far as having surgery to change their sex. Now, we know, you and I know, that even the name transgender is deceptive. A boy cannot become a girl, and a girl cannot become a boy. So now we have family court judges being urged to consider new evidence of the effect of hormone treatments and puberty blockers on young Australians that refutes a gender-affirming model of care. So the notion that we would do the patient no harm, the old Hippocratic Oath, which is over 2,000 years old, is actually being set aside because what we've put in its place in some context with some uh, you know, providers of help in medicine has been an unscientific and a medical fad. In thousands of years of medicine, it's never been believed or attempted before to change a boy into a girl or a girl into a boy. So unscientific medical fad, and uh, there might be listeners can think of a number of uh, medical fads that have been unscientific or untested, and uh, they've been foisted upon a unsuspecting public. So I guess as a Christian thinking through these things, have your wits about you and try and understand what it is to think biblically around issues of slavery and so we're even in our health you can become enslaved to what someone is foisting upon you hey let's touch on welfare what's the what's the way that we might think about welfare here well once again we have to think about all of these things whether it's education or health or welfare in terms of now what is going to be the best thing for my children or my family what's actually going to be best for them and we had an experience, my family, with the Social Security Department going back to 1999. The department stopped the youth allowance payment for our son, but at our request, the authorised review officer of the department examined the decision. But he concurred with the department's ruling. When we appealed the decision to the Social Security Appeals Tribunal, the SSAT, 
we won. The judgment was that the department had made an error in law. So we got a back payment of over $1,000. But what had the authorised review officer been doing? What was he doing? Was he going into bat for justice for us, as we thought he was duty-bound to do, or was he merely doing the bidding of his departmental bosses? This looked rather suspicious to us. Then we get into the issues near like the NDIS, the National Disability Insurance Scheme. You'll know about that. It began operating in 2013. It's been a scheme racked with astonishing cost blowouts because it's never had proper rules of accountability. Now we're assured by Mr Shorten that he's going to sort all this wastage out and get it back on the road again. But would any business person ever have created such an unaccountable monstrosity. Uh, One civil society commentator, Vern Hughes, wrote that the National Security, sorry, the National Disability Insurance Scheme, he wrote that it's hard to conceive of an organisational structure and business model that could be less fit for purpose. So we see here that as Janice Brown commented, Government is the only enterprise in the world which expands in size when its failures increase. (laughs) We have to think about pretty seriously about that comment that we heard uh, from Ronald Reagan, who was the president of the US back in 1986, when he wrote that the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. So, Neil, God's people must be leading the way in our community, in getting out of slavery and becoming more independent of government, whether it's education, whether it's health or whether it's welfare, all of these areas, they have traps in them for the the family. And what you're saying isn't partisan either because there are all sorts of uh, special instances that you can identify on every side of politics and so it means the Christian believer uh, needs to be thinking biblically around what are the motivations here of those who are leading us and are we being led into slavery. Hey, for listeners to connect with our special guest today on this segment and uh, to be a part of what the initiatives of Family Voice Australia. You might want to connect with Andrew McColl. Andrew is Family Voice Australia State Director for the State of Queensland. He's also an author. He's written a number of books. They Shall Become One, The Significance of the Godly Family, Family, uh, Inherit the Earth, and The Great Christian Revolution. And uh, you'll be able to, no doubt, connect with Andrew, Andrew McColl at familyvoice.org.au familyvoice.org.au there may even be a link there to Andrew and the books that he's written uh, Andrew always great get thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media to find out more about us go to vision.org.au